Amen. Jesus is a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. That lets you know that when things become difficult and hard, we can always run to Christ. Uh, He's a solid foundation. He's a rock in a weary land. He won't give way. Uh, In the midst of trials and tribulations, he's a solid foundation. He's a shelter in a time of storm. Not only is he a solid foundation to stand upon, but he protects us from the elements of the weather. The inclemency of our challenges of life, uh, he becomes a shelter. He's once again a place to go uh, in the midst of all trials and tribulations of life. We know, and Christ has let us know, and the Bible tells us so, and the song helps us to be encouraged that we can always run to Christ. He's a shelter in the time of storm. It's good to be here this morning. I know that time has changed. Amen. Uh, I know some of us are still in that mindset where we want to get rid of the fall back and the spring forward, but it doesn't matter whether you fall back an hour or spring forward an hour. Guess what? It's still the same time. Uh, because it's always a good time to obey Christ. Amen. Amen. Now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. He didn't say whether it was 9 o'clock during the spring or 9 o'clock during the fall. He said now is the accepted time. It's the time uh, of salvation. I pray that uh, you did at least try to get a good sleep last night, and you're here this morning uh, ready and has uh, expressed your thanksgiving to God for just another moment of time. Uh, For we know that uh, the day is never promised to us. Uh, James reminds us and Paul emphasizes in many ways, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. He even says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. So I'm not so much concerned about falling back and springing forward. I'm concerned about when Christ comes. Uh, When Christ comes back, you can forget about what time it is. It won't even matter anymore. The only thing that will matter is whether or not you have obeyed the gospel and whether or not you have given your life to Christ, whether or not you have lived a faithful life uh, unto God. And so I thank God that we're here. It's always good to be in worship, uh, in the worship services of the Lord. I want to call your attention very quickly to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, which was read in your hearing. I appreciate the brethren so much for the uh, worship services that have been rendered uh, thus far. Uh, it is uh, always a blessing to see things done decently uh, and in order uh, as we go before the God, uh, before God our Father uh, in heaven in worship. Um, you may recall that uh, we began uh, speaking about the last uh, uh, few series of sermons that will uh, that we will endeavor to present. Over the next uh, couple of months now, it is already November, um, as we close out the discussion about the seeds of the soul. And so uh, over the last few sermons, we have been uh, ending with what I think is very appropriate, which is the testimony, the testimony of the seed. And it's important to know, and we've already made this uh, point uh, known and supported it with scripture, that uh, we know that it is Christ, uh, that we are... uh, referring to when we talk about the seed of the sower. Uh, For we know Matthew chapter 13 was where we began this conversation, and we know that the seeds were planted, and uh, one sower went into the earth and planted good seed, and the other sower went into the earth and planted bad seed. Uh, We know the bad seed is that which was planted by the devil. 
good seed is that which was planted by Christ. The parable would go on to help us to understand that the good seed is the church. It is the body of Christ, the church of Christ. And that good seed is who uh, strive to remain faithful uh, unto God. As, Paul, as John would remind us in Revelations 2 and 10, to be faithful unto death. So that we may receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. And so we know that that good seed is Christ. And that good seed has a responsibility. It is held accountable uh, for the life that it lives. Uh, for you may recall that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we all must stand before the judgment bar of God, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, that we all must stand before the judgment bar of God, and we have to give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so we understand that the good seed is the seed that is planted by Christ, and, 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 and there is a reason why we are considered to be the good seed, God's new peculiar people. Uh, and not the peculiar people that are identified in the Old Testament as the Hebrews, not the children of Israel in the literal sense of the 12 tribes of Jacob, but the spiritual Hebrews, the spiritual Israel. Uh, he is not one that is circumcised, which is circumcised of the foreskin, but he is one who is a Jew. His circumcised circumcision is of the heart. And so we are of that circumcision. We have that spiritual circumcision, which makes us, if you will, God's uh, chosen people, his spiritual people. Peter would say, if you will, that we are the royal priesthood. We are a spiritual body, a spiritual kingdom. And we are of that uh, good seed that continues to put forth uh, the teaching of God's word. So that all men might be saved. That seed, if you will, is not only identified of Christ, but the the many uh, aspects of it that gives us, uh, if you will, access to him, which is through his word. Luke would record that the seed is the word of God, if you will. And we recognize that the word of God, uh, as you look at uh, John chapter 1, helps us to understand that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Once again, we see the word being associated with Christ. And when we see the word of God in the literal sense, Bible, the Biblos, these books that have been canonized, brought together for us to read as the uh, uh, prophets and the apostles spoke it and scribes that were moved by the Holy Spirit of God wrote it. We read it so that we may understand it so that one day when we obey it, we can have confidence that one day we can make heaven our home. And so this seed is not only identified in the very specific sense as Christ, but in its, its uh, a practical and accessible sense, it is the word of God. Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17 says, be full of the word. Be full of it. Be overflowing with it. Be rich with it. Amen. So that you may be able to do all those things that are pleasing and acceptable unto God. Paul would write to the Colossian church, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all by the authority, uh, if you will, of Christ. And so by doing it by the authority of Christ, we are fulfilling what the seed has said by his word that he has given. And John, first, uh, not first John, but John 12, 48, Jesus would say unto us, to us, he that rejecteth my word or receiveth not my word has one that judges him. For the word that I have spoken, the same are going to judge thee in the last day. And so we see a direct connection between the written word and the spoken word. 
that is uh, given by Christ through the apostles that were inspired, if you will, by the Holy Spirit of God, as John chapter 16 would help us to understand that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit would not have come and did not come until Christ had sent him forward to come. And when the Holy Spirit came, he said, Christ did, that he would guide the apostles into all truth. Amen. John 17 and 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. So the Holy Spirit brought the word, inspired the, the apostles, if you will, uh, to remember and recall the word. In fact, the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in fact, confirmed the word being of a divine nature by giving the apostles the ability to uh, perform miracles and to do things that confirmed that what they were saying was of God. So these are the things that we understand uh, by the word of God that we, we as uh, uh, being part of the good seed are blessed to be a part of something so special. So wonderful it is to be a part of the church. It is the church of Christ. Uh, because it is, it is established and formed and shaped and molded. It is made sanctified, that is set apart from the world. It is grounded, if you will, and, and, and formed by the very divine word that one day, if we're faithful, we'll find ourselves in heaven because of this word. The church is a special place to be. It is the only vehicle, if you will, in the spiritual sense that will usher people in to heaven's glory. If you if you if you try to get into heaven without going through the church of Christ, you ain't gonna make it. You ain't gonna make it. You ain't gonna make it. I mean, that's it's just it's just it's just a biblical fact that there's no other church that Jesus is coming to save aside from the church of Christ. Ephesians chapter five makes it very clear. He says uh, that he will present unto himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. And that is the body of Christ, Ephesians 1, 21 through 22. We recognize that these are the things that we need to understand when it comes to being the good seed, by being privileged to be able to be a, a part of the body of Christ. It is because of all the things that we have striven to become that we could not become without Christ that makes the church so special. We talked about how it is because of Christ and his testimony the testimony of his life, not the life lived in heaven, but the life lived upon the face of the earth. The life lived as human, as a human being, as part of humanity. The life that he lived here is the life that gives testimony. For being in heaven and being, if you will, uh, 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 already in a place of eternity, amen, having all things, if you will, forever and forever, is, 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 is significant in and of itself. But the Bible teaches us that while we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for the ungodly. For what purpose? That we may one day also be able to experience heaven's glory and have eternity. And so we, we, we see that the, uh, the, the testimony of the seed is, is so significant in that it is Christ who is uh, putting before us an invitation to come and to become part of him, his body, his church, his kingdom, that we may one day, through 
that obedience be able to be ushered in uh, to heaven's glory. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes to the church. And he begins to talk about righteousness. And uh, obviously this isn't the only place in the, the scriptures that we find a, uh, a, a significant discussion uh, about righteousness. Um, but we recognize that, that in Romans chapter 5, Paul, in a very descriptive way, begins to show the significance of, of the relationship that we have with God and why that relationship is so special. Because it is without, it is, it is, it is impossible for us or anyone to have the right relationship with God without going through Christ. That is what it means to become righteous. To have the right relationship with God is what it means to become righteous. It's not about having a religion. It's not about having a religion. It's about having the right relationship with God because there's a whole lot of religions. But there's only one right relationship with God. Are y'all with me this morning? And, And people need to understand that. When we talk about the right hand of righteousness, when we talk about being being right with God and and having the uh, 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 being part of the 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 church, if you will, being part of of, of that which has honor, uh, being part of that which is uh, has authority. These are these are things that can only give uh, can only be uh, uh, given uh, uh, weight and truth by the testimony of Christ. No one else can give this type of testimony because no one else had any authority. We've already gone over those things, but just as a reminder. Remember when Jesus said all power, all authority in Matthew 28 and 18 has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. That eliminates everybody, even the devil. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Nobody has any authority or power except for Christ. And it is because of that that God the Father removed himself from somebody trying to circumvent Christ to get to him and thinking they're going to be saved without going through Christ. Father said, here's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. All authority is in Christ. You got folks talking about, well, I got the father, I got the job, but I don't want Jesus. Well, you ain't got nobody because you can't have the father without the son. And you certainly are not going to have the son without the father. And if you want to go down into a, a, a very holistic understanding of all of this, a very comprehensive understanding of the Godhead, you're not going to have the Holy Spirit either. You can't have either one of them without having all of them. They all dwell in us by faith. And they all have the oneness of purpose and intent when it comes to the salvation of the soul. So you can't say I, I have the Holy Spirit and then think you're going to circumvent every you're going to circumvent Christ and and and, and make it into heaven, uh, if you will, just because you claim that you have a religion and your religion is based on your belief of holiness and being uh, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and you believing that you have some type of miraculous uh, connection to heaven's glory. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
And for those who want to eliminate the, the, the whole idea of the, of, the, of the Son and the Holy Spirit and, and just say that the Father manifested himself in two other different kinds of ways, uh, uh, these other two ways is just a manifestation of the same Father, that's not, that's not biblically true. It's not biblically true. It can't help you. The Father wasn't pointing from himself to himself to send himself. It makes no sense. When John the Baptist, the baptizer, when John the baptizer baptized Jesus, amen, the Bible says that there was a voice that came from heaven. Amen. That voice was of the Father. And he was speaking about his son that came in the form of, of the flesh of humanity to suffer, to suffer the sins that we could not suffer ourselves. He suffered those sins, and the Father acknowledged him. And not only did the Father acknowledge him, but in his suffering, in his passion of Christ. Amen. I wish those movies would tell the truth and stop telling so many lies. But in his passion, in his suffering for the word, the Holy Spirit was there giving him comfort so that he could make it to the cross. They were all working together. Amen. So the three that are one are not one that has made himself three. It is three that work together in concert, in unity for the saving of the soul. And that's why 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 8 is so powerful. And I know I quote it all the time, especially through these series of sermons, because you have to understand when three bear record, three are bearing record. That's three individuals are bearing record. Not one individual bearing record three times. Lord have mercy. People want to escape the fact that Jesus is the way to heaven's glory. When John 14, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house. Wait a minute. If Jesus is the father, and the, why would that, that scripture wouldn't even make sense. Why would he just say in his house? He said, in my father's house are many mansions. In my father's house. How many mansions? If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again to receive you unto, unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. That is in heaven's glory. And he's speaking to the righteous, to those who have made their lives right with God, not acquired a religion, but those who have made themselves right with God. Amen. And there's only one religion, one belief, which is what religion means. Religion means belief. There's only one belief that is right with God. There's only one belief. In Ephesians chapter 11, uh, chapter uh, uh, 4 rather, when he, in Ephesians chapter 4, when he says there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God, one Father. He, he's talking about oneness because he's letting you know a lot of people believe in a lot of things, but only one belief is going to be found righteous before God. Because it is the righteousness that has come, that has come from God. 
When Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, for not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is, for therein is, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Matthew 6 and 33, when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. He prioritizes the significance of our walk upon the face of the earth. It is about getting ourselves right with God. Not about acquiring a religion. It's about getting ourselves right with God. In Romans chapter 5, Paul starts at verse number 1. In Romans 5 and 1, Paul writes to the church of Rome. He says, therefore, being justified by what? By faith. So when you talk about being righteous, you must also connect it to faith. Faith means belief, pisteo. To believe in something, to have faith in something, to trust in something. When someone says, I have a religion, it, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it is easily inferred, but it is certainly implied that if you say you have a religion, it is already implied that you trust in that religion. If you say you have a religion, you don't trust in it, I'm kind of scared. Amen. Why would you have something that you can't trust in? But the idea of faith helps us to understand that. When someone says, I have a religion, I have a belief. It is implied within that that you have a trust in that belief. So that in having that trust in that belief, you're willing to obey what it is that belief communicates or teaches. So Paul writes to the church at Rome and he challenges us. He says, look, therefore being justified by faith. He lets us understand that, that our justification, in other words, being, 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 being uh, if you will, uh, uh, sinners that could only be saved through the death of Christ. And because of the death of Christ, it is through the death of, uh, of Christ being the word that has come into the world and has died for the sins of the whole world it is only through the death of Christ that you can become justified. You can't become justified through Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. You can't become justified between the, uh, by theologians of the world, Descartes and the, and the rest of them and Kant and, and Emmanuel Kant and all. You cannot become justified by them. Why? They don't have authority. They might write well and write long books, but they don't have authority to save your soul. Amen. Only Christ has authority. So your faith in th things that don't have the authority to save your soul is a vain faith. It's a faith without power. It is a faith without substance. It is empty. It has no foundation. Paul tells the church at Rome, we're justified by faith. Being justified by faith. And he says, and through this we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're striving for the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus, 
that has been presented by God. You know something? He says you can have peace. Now, I know it's hard for us to grasp it because we're in our human form. And in our human form, let me tell you something, everything brings us anxiety. Amen. It gets too hot. We have anxiety. It gets too cold. We have anxiety. The lightning strikes too bright, we have anxiety. The thunder's too loud, they have anxiety. I mean, you know, it's just who we are, you know. Humanity, we have anxieties about everything, right? The person we voted for doesn't get into the office, we get into anxiety. Amen. It's just the way we are, worried about everything. But when you transcend this life, amen, and you start trusting in who God is, He says, you you can get rid of your anxiety and start having some peace. You see, because when you can wake up each morning, no matter what madness is going on in the world, because guess what? There's always been madness in the world since the the Garden of Eden. It hasn't stopped since. It just got worse. It's become worse, and God truly says it's going to wax worse and worse. No matter what generation comes, sin is going to get worse and worse. But in that process, the opportunity to become saved is still made available. To become righteous is still made available. God has not taken away the blessing of becoming righteous. It is still available. And so we need to understand that that, 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 that when we we have our relationship with God and, and, and we know that sin is in the world, we have to get to the point where we understand when we obey the gospel, the body becomes dead. In other words, our anxiety of humanity, we need to get a handle on that. Yeah, it's crazy in the world. Go to sleep. Because when you're in Christ, amen, you can have peace with God. It, 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 let me tell you something. If you die in the Lord, that's the best position to die in. Amen. Amen. It, it, I can understand if you, if you don't have Christ. And I, look, and I know we all grew from the pulpit to the pew. We are all growing into that type of understanding of peace. But we've got to grow. You've got to. And, 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 and the more you know, the more you grow. See? You just continue to work on it. Right? How is it that you can just smile and all this stuff is going on? Because, see, I'm in the Lord. The Lord will take care of it in due time. Amen. Let me tell you, when time becomes due, it's going to be taken care of. Amen. And so I'm just going to do what I can do. But once I've done all that I can, I'm going to leave the rest to Jesus. That's how I'm in peace with God. Amen. And, and so you, you leave that peace with God because, look, I know that, that whatever the Lord desires for me to accomplish and the, what the Lord desires for me to do, I can do that. And nobody can take it from me because the Lord has made it for me. So we learn to have peace with God. We learn to be able to rest without uh, the anxiousness and anxiety that is in the world. When you're in Christ, you have to grow to be able to have that peace. In 5 and 2, Romans 5 and 2, he says, look, by whom also we have access, by faith, into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Well, what? That grace and that hope is talking about heaven. That we one day can make it there. And we can make it there because Christ has prepared the way. 
and he's and he's able to lead us there because he's coming back to receive the glorious church without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish or any such thing. And we rejoice in that hope. And see, hope is very important. You don't hope for that which you have seen because if you've already seen it, then why yet hope for it? You hope for that you, what you have not seen. And none of us have seen heaven. So we continue to hope for it. And so we hold on to our blessed hope. Which 1 Timothy 1 says is Christ. Christ is our hope. And since Christ has made it, our hope is that he can come back and make it again. But let me tell you something. If you don't have Christ, you don't have no hope. Amen. I'd rather hang with Christ than to have no hope. Well, how can you justify everything that's going on in the world? That ain't my job. My job ain't to justify everything that's going on in the world. My job is to be justified before Christ. In other words, y'all hang on now. It's not our job. It's not your job to justify all the tragedies that are going on in the world. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. Even as the heavens are high above the earth, are his thoughts from our thoughts, his ways from our ways. This is God's providence. It is God's creation. It is God's kingdom. You don't have any control over that. But I have control over what I do. I'm trying to stand justified before God. So in the midst of tragedy, I'm going to do what I believe the Bible teaches needs to be done. And what I believe will be based on what the Bible teaches to be done. Not my own subjective concoction of what needs to be done. My imagination of what needs to be done. But what God has said needs to be done. So in the midst of challenges, I'm going to stand uh, in the holy place. I'm going to stand with God. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to pray, as James says, pray without ceasing. Amen. When illnesses come in the world and the challenges of life begin to impact my, 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 my flesh, I'm going to pray and ask God for strength. And it may be the case that God does not want to remove my ailment, but he'll give me the strength to endure it. But whatever decision he makes, I'm going to be standing in the holy place because I want to stand justified before God. Not justified before man. I don't, I'm not here to prove anything to you. Amen. We, we, we need to prove everything we can to God. As Paul told Timothy, he says, look, when you study to show thyself approved, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. No, 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 I'm not, you don't, you, look, you don't have nothing to prove to me. I, I can't open up the gates of heaven for you. I can show you where the gates of heaven are based on what the word of God says. But you are God's servant. Amen. And guess what? We all going to be standing in that same metaphorical line to be proved by God. Whether or not we've done what we needed to do in this body, whether it be good or evil, we all going to stand. And the focus is in the prayer is that we can all stand together justified before God, having done all that God has said we needed to do to stand. We talked about it last time about having the, our shield of faith and our, our breast shod, our breastplate and our helmet, the sword of the spirit, our feet shod, that imagery of the Roman soldier fully prepared for battle in the physical sense, but we know that our battle is in the spiritual sense 
But Paul gives us that imagery so that, he un so that we would understand you don't go to battle with that which is spiritual uh, unprepared. You make, make sure you have on the whole armor of God. Not, not a piece of the armor. A whole, the whole armor of God. So that you can be able to stand. Amen. So you can be able to stand. I mean, yeah, y'all may not understand. Yeah, maybe, maybe as we all, as you know, you grow. Let me tell you something. A lot of times we think that the devil's out, just out in the world, doing all that the devil, the influences that the devil has put placed out here, and that those influences, uh, if you will, somehow stop at the walls of the church. No, they don't. Devil's devil's influences in the church too. Amen. You know why? Because we here. Amen. Wherever you see a human being, there's the opportunity for the influence of Satan to be present. Amen. Lying, cheating, stealing, killing, because we're humanity. But those of us who are striving to be righteous before God, we understand this. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. Amen. We know what his devices are. And so we put on the whole armor of God so that we're able to stand. And when Paul says able to stand, for what purpose, Paul, that you may be able to resist the fiery darts of the devil? That's the purpose. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other. We should be trying to help each other make it to heaven. The devil wants to see us all go to hell. Amen. But he says we have, we, 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 we have access by faith into this grace wherein uh, we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse number three, and not only, not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Lord have mercy. See, I, some of y'all didn't want me to go there. But we glory in tribulation. Look, how can you be happy in tribulation? Because you are at peace with God. God is there. God evangelist they're saying send me some money and i'll i'll put some i'll put some holy water on a piece of a piece of cloth and send it back to you You can wipe it on your forehead and all things will be well guess what that ain't true no no it ain't true you know, you have to understand, some, sometimes in, in, in the wisdom of the Lord, and we see this based on the biblical text, I can give you an example directly on point. When Paul went to Jesus uh, about the infirmities that he was addressing, whatever they may have been, they weren't specific, because guess what? That wasn't our business. That was between Paul and Jesus. Amen. Why did he say what Paul's problem was? Because it ain't your business. Between him and Jesus. Amen. But what we do know is what happened. See, that's the important point. See, sometimes we get caught up in what is not important. It's not important to know what everybody's problem is. Everybody got a problem. Where you can go to get your help is what's important. And Jesus is able to help us. And so Paul gives us, if you will, the example, uh, if you will, where he goes to the Lord. He goes to the Lord thrice about his situation. In tribulation. Don't miss the point. In tribulation. Now, you would think that, wow, Paul is the, an apostle born in due season, wrote more epistles, or at least the biblical text gives us the example that Paul wrote more epistles than any of the other apostles. Paul was uh, the last of the apostles. The Bible says that he went to Jesus thrice about his concern. 
And he asked for it to be removed from him. And the response from Jesus was, my grace is sufficient. So you got to understand, being in tribulation don't mean, doesn't mean that you're not being supported by Christ, by God, by the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes in those tribulations is when the best teaching comes. Because you learn how to trust in Christ more and in yourself less. Paul went to the Lord thrice. He asked him, can this be removed? If it be thy will, have this removed me. And he went to him. And then, and then Jesus, uh, Jesus comes back to him last and he says, look, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And my strength, my strength, that is Jesus' strength, is made perfect. And the word there, perfect, is very interesting because it gives you the idea of complete, of completeness. It has come to a, a comprehensive closure. My strength is made perfect in weak. Lord have mercy. When you are in your weakest points, but yet you can, you, and you've done all that you can to deal with your issue, whatever that issue may be, but yet in your weakness, you don't, you don't turn to succumb to your weakness. What you do is you go to Christ. Did you hear what I just said? When you've done all you can do, instead of succumbing to it, you go to Christ. And then Christ says, my strength, now that you recognize that in your uh, 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 infirmity of of your flesh, you can't do all that you would like to do, but my strength, my strength is made complete, has become comprehensive in weakness. Because, see, you didn't turn to the devil to try to get help. You turned to me. And now whatever your infirmity is, I can give you the strength to bear it. I may not take it away from you, but I'll give you the strength to bear it. And so we go back to Romans 5 and we find him saying, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Because it's an opportunity to go to God for strength. To show our faith in who he is. Knowing that tribulation does what? Worketh patience. There, 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 there are some benefits to going through challenges of life. Amen. If, if, it, if it was that easy to get into heaven, everybody would probably be doing it. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope, it, hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, in daylight saving time, non-daylight saving time, whatever time it is, time is due. In due time, Christ did something. He died. The testimony of the seed is that while you were without strength, no hope, no way of making it into heaven's glory. Not worthy. 
of making it into heaven's glory. Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, that's a testimony. That's a testimony. I, I, I tell you, every, when I was preparing for this and I was reading this, it, you know, it, 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 it helps reinforce within my life that all the things and the challenges of life that, have, uh, that I have gone through, how much of a blessing it is to be able to look back and say, thank you. Thank you. Because I, I see the carcasses and the trash and the rubbish that I crawled through. Amen. And was able to walk out of. And I know it wasn't because of me. But it's because of the, the, the strength that God in his wisdom and, and in his grace decided to bestow on me. Because there's a lot of folk back there that I remember who didn't make it through the trash eat. Didn't make it. And, 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 and in God's wisdom... Without Christ, you can do nothing. And God gave us and gives us choices. You can accept Christ or you can reject him. But understand that based on the choice that you make, there are repercussions and consequences to those choices. As Paul was walking on the road to, to Damascus to continue his carnage of the world, especially those who believed in Christianity. Paul made a choice on that road. He could have rejected Christ, but he didn't. He said, what would I have me to do? What, what, what would you, when he heard the words from Christ, he said, what would you have me to do? He says, I'm going to tell you what you must do. Go find Ananias. Ananias baptizes Paul. Why terrorists thou arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord? We, we, we find ourselves in a situation where when, when, when the word of God is presented to us, when the seed is presented to us, and, and we are in a, a particular place in our lives, and everyone's, everyone is not in the same place in their lives, whether it's age or whether it's, whether it's the, the, the challenges you are going through, we don't all know what everyone is dealing with in life, but we do know this. When the word of God is presented, each one of us has one thing that is in common. We all have a choice. We all have a choice to do what God has said to do. And so some of us have, some of us in our lives have made that choice to do what? To hear, when we heard the word of God, when we heard the seed of God's word, we've made a choice. And that choice was what? To do, to do what? To obey the gospel. We chose to obey it. And to leave the carnage behind, to leave the trash heap behind, to get out of the trash heap, to come out of the darkness and move into the light. We made that choice. And the choice was only made available because Christ died for the ungodly. Do you see that? There's no sense in trying to make a choice if there's no way to make it. It is Christ, and that's why our faith is in Christ, because it is Christ that has died. It is Christ that has suffered the sins of the whole world on the shame of the cross. It is Christ that went to the grave. 
It is Christ that rose again on the third day. It is Christ that ascended into heaven's glory and received the kingdom. It is Christ that sits at the right hand of God with all honor and authority. It is Christ that is going to come back one day to receive unto himself a glorious church without having spot, wrinkle, or blemish or any such thing. It is Christ. It is Christ. It is Christ who has died. And he died for the ungodly. Last Sunday I quoted this scripture. I didn't give it to you in reference, but I quoted it because I knew we were coming back to it. Verse number 7 in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 7. For scarcely. Scarcely. You know what scarcely is. It comes from the word scarcely. It gives you the same idea as scarcity. It comes from the same root word. Something that is not plenteous. When, when we have an issue of scarcity, people fight over it, even kill for it, if it's too scarce. Amen, unfortunately. But for scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Then this is a righteous man. This is, this, is, this, is, this is an individual that Paul describes as, as somebody who should be, it, it, somebody sees a righteous man and, and that righteous person is in some situation where, where they need, where, they, where, where your death may benefit them. He said, scarcely for a righteous man would somebody die. You see the power of that? Even if you're righteous, you can't find somebody to die for a righteous man. Scarcely. Scarcely. But then he goes on and says, look, he says, uh, 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 yet peradventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. You know, you know how folk are. They, 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 they talk a good game. They see a good man. Somebody said, would you die for this good man? Oh, yeah, I'd die for him. Well, come on. No, wait, well, you know, I was just joking. I really didn't mean I'd die. This is the idea. Somebody might say they'll do it, but even for a good man, scarcely. Peradventure, one would even dare. One would even, one would even make a statement that they would even consider, contemplate dying for a good man. Scarcely. Even dare. Verse number eight. But here we are in the trash heap. We're not even worthy. Full of sin. World is turmoil. Goes back to the days of the flood before the ark. When God told Noah to build the ark, for the imagination of men's hearts was wicked and evil continually. The imagination. But verse number eight says in Romans 5 and 8, he says, But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, and that's all of us, by the way, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were yet in our sin. So, so we weren't even close to what we would consider to be a righteous man or even a good man, uh, a, a good person or a righteous person. We weren't even close to that. And Christ died. Amen. 
so that we might live. Verse number 9 in Romans 5 and 9, much more than being justified. How do we become justified? By his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, the justified by his blood, remember Ephesians 1 and 7, we have redemption. We have been purchased. We've been bought back. Amen. Bought back from what? Bought back from sin. Bought back from darkness. Wickedness. We need Christ. We need Jesus. If we are to become righteous before God, we got we must go through Christ. He is the righteousness of us all. He is the bestower of righteousness. Amen. And 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 and, and he says, if you will, <clears throat> in in that we have redemption through his blood, Ephesians 1 and 7, even the forgiveness of sin. It is only through the watery grave of baptism that we have the forgiveness of sin. Remember in, in, in Acts chapter uh, 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 2 and verse number 38. In Acts 2 and 47, he lets us know. That individuals are being baptized. They're being baptized, what? For the remission of their sins. And then they were being added to the church, added to the kingdom, added to his body. That one day they might be saved. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ. Is because we have become dead to sin. And when we become dead to Anxieties of the flesh and the anxiousness of the flesh, but now we have turned our hearts to the to the to the uh, to the desire of the spirit, to the knowledge and the wisdom of the spirit. Uh, we now have the right relationship, the relationship of righteousness with Christ Jesus. Romans eight and ten, as is uh, as being presented, it says, "Look, and if Christ is in you, well, Christ can't be in you until you get in Him." And the only way you can get in, in, in him is through the water of grave of baptism. He goes on and says, by his blood. We're justified by his blood. Because his blood was pure. His blood was innocent. His blood had no guile. There was no evil. When he died on that cross, you find the Imagery of once again, the innocent dying for the wicked, just like he did, just like the animal did in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and God covered their bodies with the animal skin. Well, that animal skin didn't come for free. (laughs) Some innocent animal had to give up its life to cover up what? Sin. So though you may see it in a microscopic view in in the book of of Genesis, the imagery is the same. Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. He gave up his life on the cross of Calvary 
His blood, his innocent blood was spilled so that it may cover up our sin. Boy, I tell you, the blessing of being in Christ is beyond describable. We can only try to do our best. But I thank God that if we're faithful unto death, we can have an opportunity to receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. And it's only because we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Let me move. And he says, and and so we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, don't go here as many do. They try to they try to extract that text, and, and then they want to make a they may, they want to make a religion and a doctrine out of that text by itself. And here's the doctrine that they try to make. Well, see, you don't have to be baptized. You don't have to be a member of any church. You can you can Christ has already died on the cross, and so His blood has been spilled, so everybody's gonna be saved. That's a false doctrine. In Mark sixteen fifteen to sixteen, He said, "He that believeth." and is baptized, shall be saved. You can't just go to one text and try to make a religion out of it. But that's what folk have done. Because they don't want the rest of it. They don't want the totality of scripture, right? Remember Isaiah said, Isaiah said, you got to go here a little, there a little. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Amen. You got to go into text and get a full understanding of God's will, not just your subjective uh, personal want. Right. You got to get the full text of God's will. And so in Mark 16 and 15 and 16, you hear the testimony of the seed and the testimony of the seed is Jesus. Jesus is the one who's speaking in Mark 16, 15 and 16 and Matthew chapter 28. It is Jesus who is speaking and it is Jesus is saying he that believeth and, 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 and is baptized shall be saved. Because the blood is in the water. And that's where your faith comes in. I can't see the blood. It ain't for you to see it. For you to believe it. And it's through your faith. It's through your faith. From faith to faith. As the gospel is preached about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That you have faith in him. And let me tell you something. It is that faith that's going to save your soul. Boy, I wish I had time. I got to come. We'll pick up on more of this. Uh, uh, next Lord's Day, but I, 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 I got to get to a couple more scriptures, and I'm going to close. And so, and so he says, "Look, Paul says in verse number, uh, 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 we're saved from wrath through Him." Now, you got to understand what the wrath is here, right? You're saved from wrath, not 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 from the trials and tribulations of life. We just covered that. <laughs> You go, I'm a Christian. Why am I suffering trials and tribulations? Because you you in the world. <laughs> you gonna suffer trials and tribulations. You know, we, we got doctrines, we got religious belief systems that say, oh, if you're suffering trials and tribulations, that means that your faith ain't strong. They ain't got nothing to do with it. You're in the world, you're gonna suffer trials and tribulations because the world is full of them. The question is not whether or not you're going to suffer trials and tribulations. The question is how you handle the trials and tribulations. Do you hold on to God? Like Peter was saying, 1 Peter 4, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. 
but let him glorify God on this matter. You see, suffering is not something that is, is, uh, is excluded from the life of a Christian. And as I said before, tribulations bring patience, experience. There's, there's, there's bless, God said there's blessings in suffering through stuff. The more you trust in the Lord, the stronger your faith. And God says, I can pour out a blessing, amen, that you can't even receive. Overflowing, the gospel would say, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. You, God said, look, when you show your faith and you show your faith in, in my strength, even when you've done all that you think you could do and still couldn't uh, uh, come to a resolution of whatever the issue may be, and you turn to me and you let me handle it, he says, I see where your faith is. Let me pour out a blessing on you. Well, I don't even know how I got out of that. that ain't, you know how you got out. You didn't get out because you did it. Amen. The relationship we have with God and his righteousness is so special. You know. Verse number 10, Romans 5 and 10, he says, For if, when we were enemies, Lord have mercy. Can you ever imagine being an enemy of God? Lord have mercy. But he said, but when we were enemies, and we all, and, 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 and you know, especially if those of you, there are those of you who are visiting with us who may not be members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. Let me tell you something. We all came to God the same way. We were all enemies before we became friends. Amen. 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 We're all enemies. We all came to God in sin. Right? Asking God to forgive us. So you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel, be ashamed of the sin, not of obedience to God. Amen. Right? And we deal with that shame. Whatever it was and whatever it is, we have to deal with it. It is our lives, we have to deal with it. But we lay it at the feet of Christ and we find peace with God. And we pray that he gives us the strength to continue to overcome those things so that one day we can make our way into heaven's glory. Are y'all with me this morning? We're closing. These are closing arguments from the testimony of the seed. And Jesus is speaking to us and letting us know that, that look, 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 th- th- there are challenges of life and they will come and they can go. But don't ever mistake the fact you can make it. Amen. You can get through it no matter what it may be. You can get through it with Christ. Amen. Because Paul came back and said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Paul said, I understand now. I done went through you three times. You didn't, you, 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 you've made it very clear that you're not going to take away whatever this issue is. So now I understand when you said my grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect. And weakness, Paul turns around and said, now I got it. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You see, you're going to get to that point where sometimes all your strength is gone. But remember, God has plenty of it. God has plenty of it. In verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We'll be saved by his life because of what he has done. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 
Lord have mercy. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But Paul says something here that I'm closing on. Eventually, as we get to Romans 14, this is all in the same biblical text. He, he says, look, for the king, in verse number Romans 14 and 17, for the, for, the, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. See, 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 we have religions around that. A lot of people say, oh, you can't eat this and you can't eat that because that's going to, that's, that, that's sinful and that's, that's this. And that. let, me, let me tell you something. If God made it and it's consumable, you can eat it. Amen. I'm just going to drink, you know, but, but there's a whole, there are whole religions around eating and drinking. Amen. Some, some for a good purpose, some for not so good of a purpose, but it's still a religion, a belief system around eating and drinking. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4, he says, look, he said, receive it with thanksgiving and go on about your business. Thank God for it. If it's edible, eat it. Amen. Amen. Now, not everything is tasty to everybody. Everybody has a different taste preference. But if it's edible and it can be eaten, God said, receive it with thanksgiving and go on about your business. You don't have to create no religion behind eating and drinking. Oh, I don't eat pork because I'm a. What does eating pork have to do with your religion? Amen. Your body ain't the one that's going to make it to heaven. Your, 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 uh, your, your uh, lean deficit rate ain't going to be at the judgment bar of God. Amen. You got high cholesterol. You can't make it. And it's. Amen. Now, I'm not telling you go out here and just get unhealthy, y'all. Be, be, stay with me. What I'm saying is you can't make religions around things that are temporal. And food and drinking, these are temporal matters. These are, these are matters of, of uh, individual's preference. But when it comes to salvation, every soul must be saved the same way and in the same place. You see, for the kingdom of God it's not eating and drinking. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. You see, you need to rejoice when you have a relationship with God. No matter what challenges are going on in the world, you need to be able to rejoice when you have the right relationship with God. Because your righteousness is what stands in the balance. Not about your diet. It's your righteousness that stands in the balance. And, 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 and I said I was going to close, so I'm going to close here. Remember what Peter says? Peter says something very, uh, 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 very uh, uh, challenging uh, to us about this idea of faith and and and, and righteousness and and the 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 joy of being in Christ Jesus and so I'm gonna close right here on this text. I'm in a different scripture, but I'm closing on this text. I'm done. In First Peter chapter one, Peter opens up his epistle, reminding all those who are scattered abroad, the diaspora, the Hebrews, the uh, uh, even writing to the uh, to the Gentile churches because or the churches of the Gentiles because uh, all needed to know 
these principles. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter. He says, one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to to the strangers scattered throughout Pointus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the uh, Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. You were set apart. You were made holy because of the Holy Spirit. That's why we joy in the Holy Spirit. It It is the Holy Spirit that sanctified us and set us apart. It is the Spirit that has baptized us into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 11. And so he goes on and says, look, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's been a whole doctrine made around sprinkling. You don't have to be immersed. You don't have to go on to, we can just sprinkle you. That's not what that text means. But that's what they did to make a whole doctrine, a whole belief system, whole religion out of that one text. To avoid baptism. You take a, hopefully you take a bath at least a couple of times a week. You can't go down in the water for the saving of your soul. I don't get it. But it's hard to rationalize that which is irrational. But he goes on and says, look, grace unto you and what peace? Lord Embers, I love that peace. And not only peace, but peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you who think the Father is Christ and Christ is the Father, I think that scripture right there just tears it apart, but you go on and deal with it. He says the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is not the Father of himself. The Father is the Father of the Son. All right? I mean, come on. According to his abundant mercy, and I thank God. Look what he says. His abundant mercy. Because let me tell you something. When we were in sin, we all deserve mercy. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. We all needed mercy. Didn't deserve nothing. We all needed mercy. And Christ bestowed it. But according to his abundant mercy, hath he begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We trying to make it to heaven, y'all. And we have a reservation. We have a reservation in heaven. You know what? That, I want to meet that reservation. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept. Lord have mercy. By the power of God through what? Through faith. Hold on to your faith. It is your faith that keeps you. It protects you. It supports you. It helps you. It strengthens you in the time of need. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You don't know how important your faith is is until until Jesus comes back ready for the church. Because without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So hold on to your faith, because the last time it shall reveal the importance of it. In verse number six, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Church, hold on to your faith. Because that's what your righteousness is. That's what makes us right before God. It is our faith, our belief in his word, in his seed. And by holding on to that faith in his word and in his seed, we have a reservation in heaven that awaits us if we're faithful until death. The blood of Christ has done its job. It has put us in a position of being sanctified and justified. I'm going to say it again. The blood of Christ has done its job. It has put us in a position of justification and sanctification. But only at one point we will be glorified. And that is when Jesus comes back for the church. So one day. When he comes back, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for that day to be glorified before God. And while he is planning his trip back to, back to this place, I pray that we are planning our, 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 our trip to leave this place. Amen. And the only way you can do that is by beginning with faith. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's what I've given you. I've given you book, chapter, and verse. And I pray that you've heard what God has said. We've already quoted Hebrews 11 and 6 that says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And if you do that, all these things shall be added unto you. God knows what your needs are. But there's nothing more important. There's nothing more pressing than you to get your life right with God today. Because now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. The watering grave of baptism is ready. God is waiting. The Son is waiting. The Holy Spirit is waiting to save your soul. Repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. God doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to be saved. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, one day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God wants you to be saved. Confessing him to be the son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in that wonderful watery grave of baptism where we meet the blood of Christ and it cleanses us from all of our past sins. It sanctifies us, sets us apart, puts us in a position of being holy, being justified before God. And one day, if we're faithful, if we stay faithful, we'll be glorified before God. 
the testimony of the seed. We're not even close to being done yet. And we may not even finish it if God blesses us to live till the end of this year. But I'll tell you what, you've learned enough about his testimony to obey the gospel. You've learned enough if you want to be saved. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the invitational song? Why don't you come? 936. 936.